we're on the third part of a series that we're calling Christianity Light. And I know it's been a heavy series, but it's going someplace. And I'm telling you, the, the last message of this series is going to be powerful and uplifting and encouraging. But we've been talking about this idea of Christianity Light. And when you look at products in the, in the consumer world, uh, products that are marked as light, what it means, what have they done? That means that they have removed something out of the original and they filled it with something else that makes it look the same and allegedly taste the same, but it's not really the real thing, right? Well, Christianity light is just like that. There are a lot of people, I believe, in our culture today that are partaking of Christianity light, that it looks the same, it, it tastes the same, but it's just not the real thing. And if you remove something that's in the Bible, then you're not going to experience the real power of the word, or the real power of the spirit. You're, you're not going to get the truth that actually sets you free. But I don't know about you, but I want real, authentic Christianity. Real truth has the ability to set you free. Somebody shout out, amen. amen. So I want you to pray with me and then we're going to get into our word today. Heavenly Father, I just pray you would bless this time we have together as we do get into your word. And Lord, we do want the real thing. We don't want something that tastes great to our flesh, but doesn't fill up our spirit. We don't want to be saved without power. We don't want to be saved without prayer. We, we need to hear from you. So God, I ask that you would speak to us in our innermost being. And don't let us off the hook today, Lord. Con uh, convict us where we need to be convicted. Challenge us where we need to be challenged. Help us to choose the things of the spirit instead of the comfort of the flesh. And I believe you for this today, I believe you're going to do something in our lives as we open our hearts to you. And I pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. amen. You guys are awake today. I like this. And, uh, and uh, the, the more you're into it, the faster I preach. And so we'll be done earlier. No, I'm kidding. We're going the same length either way. Uh, we have a society that wants ice cream without gaining any weight. So I didn't expect to get an amen on that one, but all right. I, I guess, you know, I, that's probably what's going to happen in heaven. I think we're going to have ice cream and no weight gain. But, you know, we want other things. We're also a nation that wants marriage without responsibility. We're a generation that wants money without working hard for it. We're, and we're a people that want Christianity without commitment. And uh, we say, well, I want to be free to do what I, what I want, when I want to do it, and I don't want anybody to tell me anything otherwise. And, and, and Christianity light, as we've said the last couple of weeks, is, is Christianity that says, it's, here's more of what, what I want and less of what I don't. It, it's more of what I want and less of what God wants. The, and the light mentality has moved into the minds of people in the church. Last week we talked about power. We talked about being saved without power. We cannot take the power out of Christianity. We cannot take the power out of the gospel because the gospel has power to change lives. But today we're going to be talking about being saved without prayer. And really, this is what leads to, to being saved without power. Prayer is an ingredient that you and I cannot remove from our relationship with Jesus. Jesus, before he ever went to the cross, you remember he went into the temple and he turned over all the tables of the money changers Anybody remember what he said? He quoted a verse from the Old Testament and he said, what? My house shall be called a what? House of prayer. How can we possibly remove prayer out of the church and still have Christianity? If you do, 
You have Christianity light, but it's not the real Christianity that Jesus talked about. In Ephesians, it says this, and Mary Beth will be happy. I'm going to use the message because I like the way it words it. It's a very rare thing from the pulpit, but, but this is what it says, Ephesians 6, 13. Be prepared. You're up against far more than you can handle on your own. Is, is that clear enough right there? You, you are outmatched if you take God out of your life. If you take Jesus away, you're outmatched if you go up against the devil. Your advantage is having God on your side. And if God is on your side, then let every demon in hell fill up a, full, a football stadium. But you just need to have that one person, Jesus, standing behind you and you're going to win. He goes on and says, take all the help you can get. Now, why does he say something like that? Well, he says it because we are hard-headed and we're stubborn. You know, we say things like, I don't need any help, especially us guys. We're guilty of this. Uh, we don't need any counseling. Uh, he says, take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued. So he didn't just send us into the battle unarmed. He said, I'm going to give you some weapons to help you fight this, this battle. Every weapon, take all the help you can get. Every weapon God has issued so that when it's all over but the shouting, you'll still be on your feet. And listen to this. Truth, righteousness, peace, faith, and salvation are more than words. Learn how to apply them. You'll need them throughout your life. God's word is an indispensable weapon. In the same way, prayer is essential in this ongoing warfare. Pray hard and long. Pray for your brothers and sisters. Keep your eyes open. Keep either, each other's spirits up so that no one falls behind or drops out. And don't forget to pray for me. Pray that I'll know what to say and have the courage to say it at the right time, telling the mystery to one and all, the message that I, jailbird preacher that I am, am responsible for getting out. I'm going to give you a word this morning that many of you have maybe have not heard. That word is travail. Travail was a word that was used in the church a lot when I was growing up. We, we would pray for people, especially if we were praying for people to get saved. And we would say that we are going to travail before the Lord. We weren't looking for a, a, a quick you know, Starbucks drive through miracle where we prayed speedy prayers and hoped for easy answers. We realized that sometimes we have to spend some time with God. And in the time with God, God was not only going to answer my need, but I needed to spend some time with him so that he could help me and he could change me. I need to spend some time with him so that, so that he could make me stronger. So what I'm saying to you today is that travailing before the Lord is still something we need to do today. Uh, when was the last time you laid on the carpet before the Lord for, for hours, praying about something in your life where, where the devil had established a stronghold, or praying for a friend or a loved one who was wandering away from, from the faith, or who was far from God, and, and you wanted to break the grip of the devil in that person's life or in your life? When was the last time you, you prayed something other than just some kind of help me prayer that lasted just a few seconds, and then if it doesn't work, too bad, I'm not going to pray anymore? You, you need to understand, you have a weapon called prayer. 
and travailing before the almighty God of the universe. You have a weapon that is mighty for tearing down of strongholds. You have a weapon that is not constrained by time and distance. I don't care what kind of blocks at the border China puts up. China can't keep my prayers out of China. My prayers are not limited by time, space, or distance. You, you have a weapon that can reach across borders. You have a weapon that can move the hand of God on your behalf. Sh should I just say my breath or is somebody going to say amen again? excited a little bit today. I'm going to tell you something I believe is true and it probably won't surprise you, but I'm going to let you in on something. The reality is, I believe most Christians, if not most, many Christians can't pray for five minutes, but they can talk on the phone for hours. Oh, I got an amen on that one. Why is it that we can talk for hours to someone that cannot fix our problem? And we cannot find the time to talk to someone who can't. What prayer does is that prayer, it builds a landing strip for God to arrive in a sense. If that's a word picture for you. If we don't invite him to come in and we don't want him to come into the situation, guess what? He's not going to show up because he's not going to violate your will. If you say, I can handle it, God will say, okay, fine. You, you just let me know when, you, when you're ready for me to help. And he'll let you try to do it. And here's what I've learned over the years. And maybe you can relate with me on this. What I've learned over the years is whenever I try to do it on my own, I usually just end up making a mess. Can somebody say amen? That's all I do. I don't make anything better. But and that and that's why he's not in every every church, because not every church asks for him to come. It's more of a show. It's more of just, you know, hear me preach. But I'm going to tell you the truth. If we just pray and the Lord moves and we just praise God in a service, I'm fine with that. I don't need to hear myself preach. The fact is, I'm not telling God something he doesn't already know. You know, it's not like God's up in heaven saying, Gabriel. Come over here. Listen to this Hoskins guy. I, I've never heard that before. You know, it's nothing new that's happening. I'm not impressing heaven with my preaching. But let me show you something. Matthew 17. Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for truly I say to you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you will say to this mountain. Somebody say mountain. Move from here to there and it will move and nothing will be impossible for you. Now watch this. But this kind. But this kind of mountain won't leave unless you sing loud. No, that's not what it says, is it? It says, that unless you dance in the spirit. No, that's not what it says. This kind won't move unless you come and sit in church and hear a preacher preach a sermon. No, it doesn't say anything like that. Unless you serve, unless you give a lot of money. No, all of those are good things. All of those things are helpful in our growth in Christ. But, but, but you're missing out. This kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and by what? Fasting, going without food. So here's the bottom line. Some mountains in your life, not, not all, but some that have been there for years. Some mountains where you think, oh, well, maybe I'm just going to wake up and all of a sudden it's going to be gone someday. Well, it's not going to be gone because some mountains will not move unless you pray, unless you fast, period. And a lot of us haven't taken time to do either one of those. And the mountain is still there and nothing has changed. And it's not because God can't do it or God's not willing to do it. It's because we haven't taken part in what his plan is. So that tells me now how powerful prayer is, how powerful prayer and fasting is. That, that, that 
that I can tell the devil to move and out of my way and, and they have to say, yes, sir, I'll get out of your way and they'll move. Not because of me, but because of the power of the, of the name of Jesus and the authority that's in his name. Some of us can't move anything because we don't spend any time in prayer. Now, I've got to get into what we're going to talk about today. This is all introductory material. So I'm going to give you four reasons this morning why we should pray, why it's good for us, why it's powerful, why we must pray. Are you ready? Number one, I like this one a lot. Prayer empties the heart of its worries. Prayer empties the heart of its worries. Uh, let's go to Mark where it talks about these worries. It says in Mark 4, 18 and 19, the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by what? The worries of life. You know what? We worry too much. Don't we? Anybody here with me? You're a chronic worrier? Anybody agree you worry too much? We worry too much. We're overloaded. We're, we're stressed. You know, I, I can't handle it anymore. I can't take it anymore. There's so much going on. But when you pray, when you pour out your heart to God, then God can speak to you. God can begin to work in your heart and he replaces your worries with peace. That's what the Bible talks about. It talks about a peace that passes understanding. A peace that, uh, that, that in our own humanity, we can't even begin to understand. You know what that means? That means that when I'm in, in walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and I'm walking through the worst time of my life, and I seek the face of God, that all of a sudden He takes all of that worry off my shoulders, and He gives me peace that doesn't make sense, because people look at that and they say, how can they be so peaceful when, they, when the doctor said they have cancer? That's the peace that passes understanding. That's what God does when we seek Him. Daily prayer empties your heart of the cares and the worries of the day. The, the Bible says Jesus taught us to pray, give us this day our daily bread. It's a daily prayer. So it's not just a once a week prayer in church. That's not enough. You need to be doing it every day. Why every day? Why do we need to pray every day? Well, it's very simple. We need to pray every day because we have problems every day. Can somebody say Amen. And some of you are like, yes, and let me tell you his name, but that's a different problem altogether. I, I don't know about you, but I have problems every single day. I have something going on every day. I have something I need the Lord's help with every day. There's, I have something where I need his wisdom every day. I need to seek his face every day. I'm going to tell you three words that, that explain why so many of us struggle with prayer. You ready for this? Life is loud. Life is loud and it drowns out the voice of God. And, and you're going to have to learn how to turn that off. Life will confuse you because it's so loud. You, you have, I mean, listen, I know how all of us live because I'm in the same way and my, my kids are the same way. You're, I'm sure it's the same in your life, but you know, you're sitting there and you have everything running. You have the TV set on because you got to have some noise in the background. You're sitting at the computer. You're probably playing music. You're on your telephone. You're playing games. You're texting people. You're on, you know, uh, some social media program. And, and then after all, with all that going on, then you say, you know, I just can't hear God talk to me. I can't hear God's voice. I don't know what's going on. Life is loud. And I'm talking about the busyness of life. 
going to work, taking care of your family, running here, running there. Life is loud and everything in life is screaming for your attention. You have to shut out the worries of life. You have to learn to turn all of those things off. You you cannot move forward without prayer. And if those things keep you from prayer, then you're going to be in trouble. Listen, you can move forward without friends. Not fun, but you can. You can move forward without money. You can move forward without material things, but you cannot move forward without prayer. Somebody say amen. Amen. Prayer empties your heart daily of your worries. I I have to move on. Number two, prayer acknowledges that the answer is beyond my ability. Prayer acknowledges that the answer is beyond my ability. Prayer, in its essence, is an act of humility. When I pray, I am humbling myself before God. See, see, the devil wants to remove prayer out of our lives. He wants to remove it out of the church. And God says to us, no, 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 you, you need me. Prayer is going to remind me that the answer is beyond me, that I need God, that I, that I have something bigger than me that can meet this need and that I can't handle life on my own. It's me finally admitting that I'm not big enough and I'm not strong enough and I'm not wise enough and I'm not smart enough and I can't handle these things. So I go to God and I kneel before him. Or, and listen, when I say kneel before him, I'm talking about kneeling before him in my spirit. It doesn't matter if you're standing, kneeling, walking, Standing on your head, I don't care how you do it, but you go before him in an attitude of humility and you say, God, I am not enough for this mess, for this need. I don't know what to do. I don't have the wisdom to, to know how to handle it. I can't change it. I can't fix it. But I know, God, that you are bigger than anything in this world. I know that you hear me when I pray. I know that you, you can make a difference. Did my mic just die? I think it just did. I should have checked the battery. Now the sermon is going to go twice as long because I can only preach with one hand. (laughs) But listen, prayer tells you that you don't have to have every answer. I don't know about you, but that's very comforting for me. I don't have to know every answer for this church. I don't have to have every answer for everybody that I counsel. All I need to do is know the one who has all the answers and need, and I need to get with him. You can relax now. You don't have to have every answer for everybody. I don't have to know it all. I just have to know whom to call. I didn't mean to make that rhyme, but it does. That's a good, you can write that down. That's a good rhyme. I don't have to know it all. I just have to know whom to call. How many of you remember the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Anybody remember that one? It was like a cultural phenomenon. It just took over, you know, uh, in in our nation. And if you were a contestant in that show um, and you got stuck on a question, you could use one of three lifelines. I think they added a fourth one later on, but but originally it was three lifelines. One lifeline was the 50-50, where they would eliminate two of the four answers. One lifeline was ask the audience, was frankly, I usually found completely, completely worthless because half the time they didn't know what they were talking about, but they would just poll the audience quickly and tell you, you could see which answer they thought was correct. And then the third lifeline was what? Phone a friend. Somebody, she's on it back there. She's like, I think we got a who wants to be a millionaire fan back there. But that was where the contestant could make a 30 second phone call to a friend. Now, can you imagine 
in this scenario that you were on that show and a question came up about theoretical mathematics. All right? Now, if you're like me, it doesn't matter what the question is, you're in trouble. Anybody with me? You know what I'm talking about? So the question pops up and you read it and you don't even, you can't even say the words in the question, much less have the answer. You have no idea what the answer is. So, so in that moment, you could make a guess, but that would be all it is, just a guess. You might be right, but more than likely you're going to be wrong. So now let's say your dad has an earned PhD in theoretical mathematics. In fact, your dad is a pioneer in the field of theoretical mathematics. He kind of invented theoretical mathematics. Now, if you played that game the way most of us live our lives, you would refuse to call your friend to get the knowledge and wisdom you need. Oh, I I don't have time to call him. You know, every time I call him, I just end up falling asleep anyway. So what's the point? Uh, Other people have so much more complex math problems than I do. So he's helping with them. So I'll just leave him alone. I'll handle this on my own. And everybody watching the, the show would be like, you are an idiot. Isn't that right? You'd be like, call your dad. He has the answer you need. He loves you. You're not going to be an interruption to him. Call your dad. Can I tell you something? You know someone the Bible calls wonderful counselor. You know someone whose name is wisdom. Your dad knows where you are. He knows what you need. He knows when you need it. And he's just waiting for you to call. So why wouldn't you pray? Let's keep moving. Number three. This is kind of related to that last one. Prayer brings humility because I have to admit that I need someone else. Now, this is true for all of us in this room, but I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to need all the men in this room to hear me. All right. So listen up, tough guy. You you better have somebody. Because the truth is, I don't care how big and strong you are, you cannot make it on your own. You cannot do it. I can't, I can't make it without having somebody to come alongside of me and help me. And that humbles me to know that I have to ask for help. Because, because God forbid that a man asks for help, right? You know, I, I didn't hear any lady say anything. That was your window. That was your opportunity. You could have get, gotten an amen in right there. But listen, we all know he's not going to ask for directions. He would rather get lost and drive 20 miles out of the way than to say, I think, and then say, I think it's down this road and then to admit he's lost. It's just not going to happen. Somebody say amen. And that's why we men are so grateful for GPS nowadays. But that's a different story. But prayer brings humility because I must include somebody else to help me. I need help. So I ask God to help me. I need direction. I need to know how to do this thing that I need to do. I need to know how to approach the situation that seems unapproachable. I need to know how to conquer this thing that seems unconquerable. I need to know what to do, what to say, when to say it. Oh my goodness, that's a big one, folks. Sometimes we figure out what God says, what to say, and but we haven't. We stop listening when He says, "Wait till you, till I tell you to say it," and then we go out and start blurting our mouths out. I think that's kind of what happened to Joseph. Maybe I'm, I'm getting off subject a little bit, but Joseph, you know, he he had the dream that all his brothers are going to bow down to him. That was something God was trying to communicate to him. What did he do? First thing he did, 
He went, he went to his brothers and say, hey, I had a dream last night. Y'all are going to bow down to me. I, you know what? That went over about the way you'd expect it to go because he was spouting out before, without God telling him to say anything. But anyway, I digress. When, when we need his help. And listen, in this church, when we do something new, we don't do anything rash. We don't do it just on a whim. There are things that we have initiated that we have prayed over for, for months and months. We, we take time. We pray about it. We need to hear from God before we do something. We need to pray. In fact, if you look throughout Scripture, you'll see that all the heroes of the Bible prayed. All of them. In Genesis 20, it says that Abraham prayed. Here's a man of faith, one of the greatest men of faith in all of the Bible. He believed God for 20, over, for 25 years. God gave him a promise and said, you're going to have a son. And yet he was childless till, till he was 100 years old. For 25 years, he never, never gave up believing. He wavered a time or two, like with, when, uh, with his handmaiden there, uh, wife's handmaiden. But, but he never gave up believing. He, and he prayed, even though he had that kind of faith. Genesis 32 tells us that Jacob prayed. I could go all through the Bible. I'm not going to do that this morning. But we know David prayed all the time. He even turned his prayers into songs. You can read them in the Psalms. Elijah prayed and fire came down. Then you go to the New Testament and get this one. Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed. How can you and I say that you don't need to pray when these great men of the Bible that we read about prayed, when Jesus himself, the very son of God, prayed, how could I possibly say, I don't need to pray? What were they praying about? I want to do my father's business. Not my business, but my father's business. So, so the reality, real Christianity, less of me and more of God is what real Christianity is. Now, now why do we pray? What does God do with our prayers. Let me show you this out of Revelation chapter 5. It says in Revelation 5, 8, And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, where, which are the prayers of God's people. Your prayers. God's got them all. He's got them all. God has saved your prayers, and he'll pour out the answer at the perfect time. See, see, I need direction for this church. I need, you need direction for your business. You need direction for your family. You need direction for that surgery you're facing. You need direction, you know, because you're about to buy a house or you're going to buy a car. If you're single, you need direction on whom to marry. And if you don't believe me, ask some of the people here married because some of them wish they'd prayed a little bit, little bit more, but that's a different story altogether. But acknowledge him. You've got to pray in every situation. Acknowledge him in everything. Everything. Somebody say everything. Okay, say it again. I'm going to make sure you don't fall asleep on me. Say everything. Everything. Acknowledge him in your marriage. Acknowledge him with your children. Acknowledge him in your business. Acknowledge him in your finances. Acknowledge him in your decisions. Acknowledge him in your checkbook. Acknowledge him in your friendship. Acknowledge him in your plans. Acknowledge him in your hopes and your dreams for your future. Acknowledge him in everything. There's no part of your life that's outside of his realm. There's no part of your life that's, that's just your little domain. Every part of you belongs to him. So so every part of you needs to be submitted to him. We're, we're, we're not living this life just to maintain. 
That's not God's plan for us. God says, I have so much more for you, so much that I want for you, so much more that I want to put into your life. And prayer is how we begin to hear his voice and we become empowered to see those things happen. Prayer, I'm going to say it this way. Prayer is the umbilical cord between the will of God in heaven and the will of God on earth. What did Jesus teach us to pray? He said that we should pray, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Listen, prayer connects us with the supernatural power of heaven and brings the the power of heaven, the power of God into my situation on earth in order to have God's will done in my life. I'm going to say that again, because that's a mouthful. Prayer connects connects us with the supernatural power of God and it brings the power of God into my situation on earth in order to have God's will done in my life. It it says for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not for God's will to be talked about, not for God's will to be sung about, not for God's will to be written about, but for God's will to be done. And and I'm not here just to talk to you about this. I want to see this done in your life. I want to see it happen. And, And let me say this too. When we talk about prayer, it's important to know you have a relationship with God and it's important to remember that prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. Prayer is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. You know, when most of us pray, pray, we don't don't usually dialogue with God. What we do, we just kind of want to dump on God. Let me just say it this way. Uh, Don't call God, dump on Him, and then hang up the phone. I want to help you see this. I need, I need, I meant to bring a phone out here. Somebody have a phone? Somebody have a phone? I know somebody's got a phone. Everybody's got a phone in today's world. I meant to bring one out of the office. Because that, that, I wanted to show it. I wanted to show it to the younger generation to so, show what phones used to look like. So, matter of fact, will you give me a second? Will you give me a second? I'm going to go get it. All right, here we go. Sorry about that. This... For you younger people, is is a phone is connected to an actual cord that runs from underground into your house, and this is a, this is a phone. And this, if I really could get an old one, if, how many of you seen that video um, where these two teenage boys are trying to figure out how to use a rotary dial? Isn't it hilarious? <laughs> and there was God bless their hearts. It's all I can say, but. But, but this, this is a, just a little prop to help us understand this. Here, here's what we do. We're sitting at home and we're just all sad. God, I can't take it anymore. I just can't handle it anymore. My life is just too hard. My wife is crazy. My kids don't like me. I lost my job. I don't have any money. I go to church. I, I go to church and you don't do anything. And God says, well, hey, why don't you just call me up and tell me about it? Let's talk. We say, okay, I'll call you. I'll call you right now. All right, let me get this. 1-800-CRY-BABY. There we go. Hey, hey, you up there? The one that can do anything? Yeah, yeah, Mr. All-Powerful, Mr. All-Knowing. 
Do you have a clue what's going on in my life? Do, do you even care? I, I tell you what, I give tithes. I, I come to church. I attend Sunday school. I serve. Hey, I even brought candy to the Easter extravaganza. But you think you'd do one little thing for me. No, you know what? I'm mad and I'm leaving the church and I don't like you anymore. I'm going to break the phone. You know what? I didn't give God a chance to say a word. God couldn't say a word because I was too busy talking. Too often, you, you and I are like, you know, we go to God, we're like, may as well use the phone. Yeah, my wife is in the hospital and she's been really sick. Can you help her? I mean, I've been in church for years and I think you owe me a little bit. So come on, just help me out. I'll, I'll see you later. Bye. We begin to pray and we talk and then you, you just hang them, hang, hang them up, hang up the phone on. But, you know, when you call your friends, you give, I hope you give them a chance to talk. If you don't, I guarantee your friends are screening your calls. <laughs> if you if you get a lot of uh, voicemail, that's, that may be why, but you, when you, when you talk, call your friends, you give them a chance to talk before you hang up, but, but then we talk to God and it ends up being a monologue instead of a dialogue. You say, well, you know, it's just so awkward. I don't know how to talk to God. Well, you know what? You, you know how to talk to your friends, don't you? Well, talk to him like a friend. Jesus said we're his friends. You don't have to have religious language. You don't have to sound like a preacher that's King James only, you know, you know, with all the these and the dials, you don't have to have pretty powerful, you know, language. You know what need, you need to do? This is what you do. 1-800-CALL-HELP. Yeah, yeah, it's me, God. You already know what I need, so you go ahead. Okay, yeah, I will. I'll do that. No, no, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. But I, I will, I promise. Yeah, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change that. Okay. All right. Thanks, Lord. I feel better. You let God speak to you. If you make prayer all about just telling Him what you want and what you need, you haven't finished the conversation. There are things He wants to say to you. There's things he wants to reveal to you. There, there's encouragement that he wants to impart to you. And we miss it so many times because we're busy talking and then hanging up the phone. I think God has something better for us. So let God speak to you. All right, I have to do the last point and we're gonna finish up. Here's the last one. Last one, I need to pray because prayer changes me. Prayer changes me. Somebody say it out loud. Prayer changes me. Prayer changes. See, here's the thing we forget. We know that prayer has the power to change circumstances. God can do anything. He can move mountains and we know that prayer, we've even read a prayer can move the mountain. Prayer is powerful. It can change things. It can change circumstances. But here's the part we forget. When I pray, the biggest thing God changes is me. 
That's why it's so important to be praying for your enemies. To be praying for those that spitefully use you. For be, to be praying for those that hurt you. You need to pray for them. And, and maybe God will work. I know God will deal with them. He'll work on their life. He, you know, they have a free will and they can reject what he's trying to do. But as you pray for that person, guess what I found in my life? It's, it's just impossible for me to hold a grudge against a person for whom I'm actually praying. Because all of a sudden, the love of God begins to replace the hatred and the anger. And I begin to, instead, I begin to feel uh, 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 almost a pity for them. I feel sad for them because I realize the only reason they're hurting me is because they're hurting themselves. The only reason they are acting the way they are is because they don't know Jesus. They have not been transformed by his power. Therefore, while I don't excuse the behavior and I'm not going to subject myself to their behavior intentionally just so that I can be a martyr, I'm going to pray for them because I know the only hope for their change is to, is to find Jesus. But as I pray for them, the more important thing that's happening in me is that it's changing my heart. It changes me. You know, some people think they have to pray to, try to convince God to give them what they want. But in a sense, they're like, well, I have to change him. Well, he's perfect. Why would you want to change him? We're like, well, if you did this or did that, and he says, no, I can't. I'm not, I'm not changing. He says, the biggest problem we have is you, and you need to change some things in your life. Jesus talked about prayer all the time. He even had to teach his disciples how to do it. But here's what I know. As a church, not just individually, but as a church, the ways we need to change, we need the power of God to do that. And we won't see the power that I preached about last week until we have a church that's praying heaven down. Corporately and individually. You know, I think about how limited we are in seeing what God wants to do. When you read the Bible, you read about miracles. You know, I mean, just you read about unbelievable things happening in people's lives. I, I love there's a passage in Psalm where it says, we, we have heard about your wondrous deeds, O God. And, he's, and the prayer is renew them in our day. And so many times in my heart, I've prayed a prayer similar to that. You know, I, I want to see God moving in the miraculous. I want to see him doing great things to bring glory to his name. Uh, and, 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 you know, sometimes we don't see it because we want to see it for the novelty, because we think it would be cool, or because we want to be able to brag about what God's doing in our church. But that's not it at all. I want God to do these things so that people will see who he is. But wouldn't it be great to see the things we read, out, we read about in the Bible actually happen today? Wouldn't that be wonderful? Wouldn't it be wonderful if we started seeing miracles take place? But you know what? I believe that's supposed to be a lot more normal than what it is. We're living so far below what I believe God wants to do in this city and what he wants to do in this world. And I, I'm just saying that as your pastor, I, I, I would, I like to, I'd like to see what would happen if we could just get all of us together seeking the face of God on the same page at the same time, praying down revival for, for our city. And, you know, going back to how it changes our hearts, if we begin to pray for revival in our city, we begin to pray for revival in our friends, guess what happens first? We begin to see revival in us. 
We have not seen the power of God to the level that God can extend to, the, to His people. I, I really don't think I've ever seen it in any church I've been in in my entire life. And I don't want to live and die in this world without seeing it. I want you to be in, in a place where you just can't face another day without seeing everything God has for you. And that's not going to happen without seeking His face. If He's an all-powerful and all-knowing God, then, then I need to taste that. I need to see that. I need to know what that looks like. And, and when you pray, and when you seek the face of God, and then you come into church on Sunday morning, you know what happens? What happens is you become the worship leaders. You know what? It, 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 the worst thing that can happen is for you to walk in this church and say, okay, Mary Beth, lead us in worship. The best thing that can happen is for you to come already praying, already seeking his face, already in worship, so that when you come into this place, you say, okay, Mary Beth, why don't you join me as I worship my God? You usher in the presence of God. You bring, when you're in the presence of God, when you're seeking his face, you bring an anointing with you into this place. If we pray, we will see things we've never seen. We'll experience the presence of God in ways that we've never experienced it before. And I'm not talking about just corporately. I'm talking about you individually as well. We'll see people get saved that we thought would never get saved. I've seen that happen. My, my father-in-law was a man that we prayed for for decades. And I, th I began to, you know, I was still praying, but it was kind of in the back of my mind. I was like, oh yeah, well, like that'll ever happen. And then lo and behold, God broke through to him. And he got saved. And we'll witness healings and deliverances. And we'll see families restored. We'll see lives changed. We're seeing that, but I think God wants to do way more than what we're seeing. That's what our city needs. That's what the people around this need. That's, and I don't want to be satisfied with nice church services when there's a world outside that's dying and going to hell without Jesus. I don't know about you, but I can't live with that. I can't live with that. God's power has changed you. And there are people outside these walls that need to experience his power to change. And there is hope for the people of this city. And we just can't, we can't just walk past people every day and say that we don't care. I'm saying, if that's going to change, we've got to come into his presence. Let's come into the presence of Jesus. And listen, I know this. I know that your flesh, your sinful nature does not like you to pray. Everybody here has experienced this because every time you start to pray, there's going to be something else that you need to do. There's going to be something else that, that comes to your mind. There are going to be obstacles that will arise. You, you, you will be tired. There'll be something that will come and you're like, oh, I'll just do it later. All the time, your flesh is going to fight it. But is that going to be your excuse when you stand before God to give an account of your life? Well, Lord, you know, I was just so tired. Can, can I tell you something? I don't believe that's going to fly. Let's discipline our flesh. Let's tell our flesh what we're going to do instead of allowing our flesh to set the course. In 2 Chronicles 7, 14, one of the most well-known passages in the, in, the, in the Bible says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
Now that was specifically talking about healing the land from drought when the drought came as a result of people's disobedience. But let me tell you something. Our nation is in a spiritual drought. And if we humble ourselves, if we will call upon God, if we will humble ourselves and pray, if we will seek His face, if we will turn from our wicked ways and repent from the ways in which we have strayed from real Christianity, then He will heal, hear us from heaven and He will heal our land. There will be fresh rain for the spiritual drought of our nation. I believe that. So call Him. Talk to Him. Listen to it. Would you bow your head? Close your eyes. I believe that the Lord is talking to some of us today. I believe that there are those in this room and maybe on the live stream that you, you, you can feel the convicting power of the Holy Spirit dealing with you about your prayerless life. You can feel Him drawing you, beckoning you to come into His presence, to sit at His feet and learn to love to be with Him. And, and I'm asking you to respond to His voice today. I'm asking you to respond to His Word today. And let me tell you this. I'm not talking about, you know, that you have to get in a certain position and you have to pray, you know, 45 minutes every day and, uh, you know, and set that aside. And you, uh, uh, that's all good. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm just talking about let's learn to live in an attitude of prayer to learn to seek His face. And there are going to be times when, you know, maybe you start off with five minutes. But I'm here to tell you that it won't take very long of being consistent with that five minutes that that's just not going to be enough for you. It's time to change. If you feel the Holy Spirit drawing you, convicting you and wooing you, would you, you just slip your hand up in this quiet, holy moment? Yes. Anybody else? Their hands? Yeah. You hear, you hear the voice of the Spirit drawing you, saying, hey, you need to take prayer more seriously here. Is there anybody else? I don't know what it'll take in your life. Maybe it means you turn your TV off. Maybe it means you have to give up your favorite show. Maybe it means, means you have to get up a little earlier. Or maybe you have to go to bed a little later. I don't, know, I don't know what it means for you. But if you're willing to do whatever it takes to draw near to Jesus, that's what we want to do. Father, you see our hearts. I believe, Lord, that everyone who raised their hand is as sincere as is humanly possible. I believe they want what you have for them. I also know, God, that, that many times in our lives, our spirit is willing, but our flesh is weak. So, Father, I'm asking, God, that you would fill us with your spirit. I'm asking you to help us to become who you want us to, be, to become. Help us to do whatever you need to do to make prayer, prayer a priority in our lives. But God, we admit, even with this, we can't do this on our own. We need your help change our hearts, change our priorities. Help us to be willing to sacrifice our comfort and convenience for a move of God in this city and in our lives. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Listen, here's how we're going to close the service today. We're going to close just by praying. 
And I think there's some of you need prayer. Some of you need a miracle. Some of you need answers. Now's the time to start. Don't just walk out and don't, and, and don't do anything because that's the quickest way to lose what God is trying to do. But maybe just take a few moments just, just to seek his face today and say, okay, God, here I am. This is step one. This is my first step on a journey where I'm going to draw nearer to you. I want to draw in deeper to you. I want to know you better. I want to hear your voice more clearly. I want, I want to seek your face because I need revival and this world needs revival. So some of us simply need to spend some time at Jesus' feet and allow him to pour himself into us. Whatever you need to do, do it. Don't walk out of here without responding to God's call. Listen, anytime you go to a church service and God begins to deal with you, you can short circuit what God is trying to do because you could just walk out of here and you know that eventually the weight of this thing that God is trying to do will lift. You can go to lunch and, and not even think about this message anymore, which is why it's so important to take a first step today. So I'm asking you, don't just leave. Don't just walk out. Don't walk away from the wooing of the Spirit. Don't walk away from the Spirit's call. Don't miss God's best for your life. Come, even if it's just for a few minutes. Pray. Seek His face. Humble yourself. Cry out to God. Let Him have His way in your life. And listen, some of you are you're not going to do that. Some of you are going to need to go. For whatever reason, I'm asking you to do this for me. If you, if you want to stay and talk, either do it outside or in this room over here today. Would you do that? Because I don't, want, I don't want you and your conversations to interrupt what God's doing in somebody else's life. I don't know. Nobody wants that. So would you stand together with me? I know this is a strange way to close a service. But today, if you just need to spend some time with Him, you hear, you feel the wooing, you feel the, the, the drawing of the Spirit, I'm going to ask you to step out, come to this altar, find a place, spend a little time with Him. If you need to go, feel free to be dismissed. But again, let's keep conversations outside of this room so that we don't disrupt what God may be doing. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord today.